Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. The door has been open, and I believe David Turk, Deputy Secretary for the Department of Energy, will be joining us in about 12 seconds, soon as he puts on those headphones. How are you doing? Good, good. Sorry to be a few minutes late. Oh, it's no problem. Glad that you're here. Again, can you introduce yourself briefly to our listening audience? David Turk, Deputy Secretary, Department of Energy. What does that mean? Yeah, so the Department of Energy does a lot of things. Uh, we do energy. We do more and more clean energy, which is great, especially with the President's historic uh, Inflation Reduction Act and bipartisan infrastructure legislation. Literally $100 billion of grant money going mm-hmm. through our department to try to help lower costs, to try to help make more affordable heat pumps and EVs and all these new clean energy technologies. But we also have a huge national lab apparatus, 17 national labs across the country. Um, which is a big deal in terms of the innovation and science, okay. not just for energy, but science more generally. And then the Department of Energy also is where our nuclear weapons uh, are um, refurbished and uh, uh, kept up to date. I heard once said that energy is economics, like your economy and energy, they go together. What does that mean? Can you talk a little bit more about the economic implications of energy and how energy is at the core of the economic infrastructure, particularly for industrialized societies. So energy literally powers our societies, right? You don't get modern economies without energy. And uh, what we're trying to do with this administration is make sure that that's affordable energy, right? Energy is a huge portion of uh, what we all pay for. Mm -hmm. And lower income folks, unfortunately, pay an even higher percentage of their uh, of their money that they earn on a monthly basis to energy. And we're trying to reduce those costs of energy for everybody and make energy affordable. Energy is also a great thing, but um, if you burn fossil fuels to get energy, you get emissions, particulate matter, and other kinds of not only greenhouse gases, but also local pollutants. So that's a big, big focus of this administration, especially for those fence line, frontline communities to where uh, everybody deserves to have clean air, everybody deserves to have uh, an environment where kids don't get asthma and cancer and Mm -hmm. other kinds of things Mm -hmm. as well. So we're spending an awful lot of time making sure that we're doing energy the right way. We're having it be clean energy. There's a clean energy revolution happening in our country right now, which is incredibly exciting and focused on those frontline communities, environmental justice, energy justice, uh, really doubling down, tripling down on those efforts. I have a theory. I'm wondering your, your thoughts. In my mind, I envision this backroom rumble between the old energy barons requiring fossil fuels and oil to be uh, specific versus this new emergence, emerging energy empire that's going to drive AI, electromagnetic, things of that nature. Is that a fantasy or is that is there really kind of a tussle as the world is changing the way it energizes itself for the economy? Yeah, so there's definitely incumbent energy interests, right? There are companies that have built up uh, billions and billions of dollars um, for years and years and decades and decades, right? And anytime you have incumbent industries that have those economic interests so firmly entrenched, uh, there's no doubt that some of them uh, will push back and some of them will see new clean energy technologies, solar, wind, EVs, uh, displacing the amount of oil that we have to, uh, that we have to uh, produce here in our country or import. Uh, or natural gas for that matter. So there's no doubt there's incumbent interests. Uh, I think what you've seen from this administration, one of the reasons I'm really proud to be the deputy secretary, the number two in the department right now, 
is energy is a good thing, but emissions are a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And so let's look technology by technology and get the most benefits we can out of different technologies, uh, first and foremost for Americans and people, uh, real people's lives, right? Affordability, the pollution issue for real people's lives and be um, very pragmatic in terms of what gets the most benefits and what has the least amount of harm. And um, what we're seeing now more and more is as we put more solar on, as we get more wind in the system, as we develop other clean energy technologies, right now, 4% of our electricity is generated by solar in our country. Thanks to the president's leadership, that's actually going to go up to 7% in just two years. Mm -hmm. Now, 7% is still a small amount, but it's a lot bigger than 4% uh, going forward in that end. And you're starting to see some major... Uh, industries, uh, major job creators in the clean energy space. Right. So it's not just like energy incumbents here and a bunch of startups here. It's some big companies. In fact, we've seen just if you look at EVs and battery manufacturing, we've seen over $160 billion of private investments that's been leveraged by what the government's doing. That is uh, a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs all across the country lot of economic opportunity across the country, all in a clean energy space that doesn't have that baggage associated with the emissions and the asthma and the other pollutants. Real quick on that, how, how is or should that reality impact the way we are preparing the future workforce? Because it doesn't seem like it's impacting the public schools in my city in the way that it should be if the economy is shifting that way. Education doesn't seem to be shifting that way. So we're trying to do it as quickly as we can because there are huge economic opportunities. If someone wants to have a stable job and an opportunity going forward, um, become an electrician, right? Mm -hmm. Become a part of a growing clean energy economy as opposed to other parts of the energy economy that aren't going to grow and uh, likely are going to shrink over a period of time. But we've got to be smart and intentional about uh, not only in high school and college, but also all the way to grade school to make sure that everybody knows that there are these opportunities out there. So we try to do an awful lot of that. I think we need to do even more of that. Uh, one of the things our Office of Science has done, Asmer Berhey is the head of that office. Um, she's just done a remarkable job of really going to um, historically black colleges and universities, other minority serving institutions, having internship programs, being very intentional about making sure that these economic opportunities uh, are out there. A number of our labs work in the high school and even K through eight, but we need to double down and triple down and do even more of that. Because uh, if you're not aware of these economic opportunities, if you're not aware of these jobs, uh, because you're dad or your mom or other relatives are in this industry, then um, you're not going to even know that's a possibility from a career progression. So we're doing a lot. I've had a chance to travel with uh, the first lady a few times who's very invested in this, especially from the community college issue with Vice President Harris, who's been an incredible leader uh, on these issues. But uh, there's no doubt we need to do even more in that space. So back in the oil economy days, you know, there was a boom. Everybody is getting rich, like you said. And then all of a sudden this thing, oh, carbon emissions and it's killing the world becomes a thing. So now we're moving into this artificial intelligence, um, electromagnetic based. Are there concerns? Is there research being done now that looks at the p- potential harms that an electromagnetic kind of emissions can cause? And 
where are we in that thinking? Because I would hate to go 20 years from now and realize that, you know, something's happening to my brain because we're AI. So we've got to absolutely be smart about this and thinking ahead on these uh, issues. There's no doubt to me, given how much harm is already being caused around uh, not only our country, but around the world by climate change, that we have to take that head on. I feel incredibly proud to be part of an administration this president, this vice president who said climate change is an issue. It's a big issue. We got to deal with it. Let's move head on and let's get our emissions down and work with other countries around the world to reduce emissions going forward. But we need to be smart about re what replaces it and what challenges there are uh, with that. So a few thoughts on that. One is uh, we need to make sure the new clean energy technologies are affordable. Right. This is clean and clean, <laughs> clean and affordable. Right. Like it can't just be clean and it can't just be affordable. It needs to be clean and affordable. And if it's only rich people who can afford clean energy technologies, that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so this administration, through a lot of what we're doing with these extraordinary pieces of legislation, is offering tax incentive. We've got home rebates uh, that will be not only 50%, but upwards of 80% for lower income folks so that they can afford heat pumps, right? So instead of having to heat your home with natural gas, you can do it through electricity. And there are a lot of benefits from that. Efficiency benefits, cost benefits. Uh, so affordability is absolutely key. And then the other thing we really need to watch out for is any intended or unintended consequences, right? right? As we have more electrification, as we have more EVs coming onto the grid, as we have more heat pumps coming onto the grid, does that offer up an opportunity for either nation states or bad actors to hack into those uh, and to bring the grids down, right? Um, that is not what we need to have. Uh, that is what we need to be prepared against. And so the way people talk about it in cybersecurity is the more your grids encompass smart demand response right. and EVs and heat pumps, the surface area increases about what you need to protect uh, from cyber criminals, but also nation states. And so we have a whole office focused on that um, and making sure that we're building in resilience, building in cybersecurity by design so that we make sure that we have uh, that protected. The other part that we're spending a lot of time on is the supply chains, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't uh, want to have clean energy technologies and all the supply chain coming from China or other countries that are challenging mm -hmm. in terms of their human rights, challenging in terms of their... Um, willingness to use energy as a, uh, just like what we saw Putin using energy as a weapon against Europe uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine. And then he shut off the gas picket, which caused a lot of challenge uh, in the rest of Europe. We need diverse supply chains uh, and not all of our critical minerals being processed in China, which a lot of them are right now. So on that note, so uh, of course it was clear when we had an oil-based economy, you know, America was going across the globe looking for places that had oil and there are implications to that, right? I'm assuming as we're looking at different energy sources, it requires different minerals, different compounds yep. and drilling and mining. How will that impact, you know, continents like Africa or the places that we source this from? I'm concerned that as we move to the clean side here, it has dirty implications in other places. How, how are you all thinking about it? So that? this is what's so exciting if we do this right and don't screw it up, <laughs> right? And learn the lessons of, of history. So I've had a chance to uh, not only in uh, Africa, but Latin America and some other places as well. Uh, I was in South Africa and Ghana last year. I'll go back to Kenya and Tanzania this year. Um, there are a lot of countries with uh, mineral wealth. What's exciting is if it's not just them mining in a responsible way that's good for their population, which, you know, there's some partnerships that we're working on on that front. But there's an opportunity for them to move up the value mm -hmm. chain, 
right? I met with a minister from uh, Mauritania, uh, which is in the north uh, north uh, west part of the continent. And right now, they export a lot of steel. Hmm. Uh, they also have a huge amount of solar potential. And uh, their plan is, and we're going to work with them to help them, is uh, they can tap into that solar resource, make clean hydrogen that then allows them to make clean steel, do it in Mauritania instead of just shipping off the raw steel somewhere else. Okay. Uh, they get more of the value add by moving up that supply chain. And then Europe and others will pay a premium for the clean steel as opposed to steel that's based uh, used uh, with fossil fuels creating it. So it's a win from a clean global perspective, mm -hmm. but it's also can be a win for moving up the supply chain and getting more of that economic benefit uh, benefit for countries. The other part too is a lot of countries who aren't producing uh, oil or gas are dependent on whatever the global market rate is, and we've seen huge fluctuations. And when the price of oil spikes, uh, it's not only rich countries who get burdened by that, and that causes inflation in our country, but the poorest of the world's countries get screwed even more mm -hmm. uh, because it's a higher price and they pay more of their income uh, for commodities. So if these countries have more solar, if they have more wind that they control, that they create, they control more of their destiny. So it's a win-win if we're nice. able to work with countries uh, around the world on that front. My last question for you, um, as we're moving towards smart cities and all of the stuff that we envisioned with the Jetsons, right? Yep, that, yep. that city, what are the energy implications that concern you as major cities are moving towards this smart city model? So one of the biggest areas of concern, and I've had a chance to travel out to Washington State and to the California and the Bay Area, is artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that a few times. Uh, artificial intelligence uses a lot of energy. Yeah. Right. It uses a lot of energy, uh, more and more chips, more and more data centers, uh, meeting with Microsoft, meeting with Google, meeting with uh, OpenAI and others, their additional electricity use per year is yes. quite significant. Now, they're making some efficiency improvements, right? Making it more and more efficient over time. Uh, but there's a lot more electricity. The opportunity there is uh, a lot of those companies are leading by uh, bringing on solar, bringing on wind, bringing on um, other kinds of clean energy technologies. So we just need to partner with them, make sure that that increased electricity demand is brought on by these new clean energy resources right. uh, and that uh, we're equitable about how those uh, energy resources are shared, right? This is really my last question. I'm just, I, as you were speaking, I was thinking, whatever happened to nuclear? There was a moment when nuclear energy was supposed to take over and be everything. I know it's still around, but nobody talks about nuclear energy anymore. Where is it? What's the state of So, we, we talk about it <laughs> and uh, we've got a lot of uh, phenomenal talent working on it. And it's not just the nuclear that people think of, these huge plants, mm -hmm. huge gigawatt level uh, scale plants. We're working on something called small modular reactors, okay. which are smaller reactors. Uh, some of the waste issues aren't as significant. Um, and we're hoping that we can bring down the costs. So gotcha. we're working on that technology right now um, and making some in, in important strides in that. And right. that's we think that's an incredibly important part of the overall mix to get us the energy resources we need. The other area that is getting more and more attention, including by private sector investors, is fusion. Okay. Right. So right now, nuclear that we have online in these small modular reactors are fission, 
uh, fusion is the uh, promise of unlimited amounts of mm -hmm. energy um, with with hydrogen and um, you know fusing atoms instead of dividing atoms. Uh, we've been working on fusion for quite some time. We had a major breakthrough last year in one of our national laboratories uh, out in California, where for the first time ever, we had an experiment where we actually got more energy out than we put into right, it. Right. The National Ignition Facility at, uh, 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 is what people, people can Google if they want to uh, see what happened on that end. There's about $6 billion plus private investment right now into fusion, different kinds of fusion. Now, this is not going to come online tomorrow or right, next week right. or even uh, a few years from now. But if we make a concerted effort, if we do the investment now, and again, importantly, invest in people who can be part of this uh, this fusion uh, uh, fusion experiment. Um, uh, that could be a big deal too. So, is it safe to say that as energy goes, the world economy goes? I think it's incredibly important for the world economy, and uh, this is why it's so important to make it clean, make it affordable, make it equitable, make sure everyone benefits from it. And so this is why we are incredibly purposeful in this administration, doing community benefits plans when we have these new battery manufacturing and these new facilities to make sure the communities and the people who live in those communities benefit. Why uh, Justice 40 is so important to mm -hmm. us, right? So that the benefits of all this federal investment flow to uh, everybody. And as you started your line of questioning, it all starts with the people, right? Like if we have people uh, from all walks of life, all parts of our community who are part of our department, part of this overall effort, we're going to succeed uh, that much more. And that's why we're spending so much time on the K through eight, the internships, the economic opportunities for small and disadvantaged community, uh, small and disadvantaged businesses and making sure that they know that there's this money and economic opportunity. So couldn't agree with you more. I'm a, I'm a little bit over time, but I need to ask this question. I would get in trouble if I did. In all of this, how do we protect? I, we come from Philly, yep. and twenty miles down the road is a city called Chester, and Chester has been inundated with a lot of toxic um, runoff, all kind of environmental issues. As we move into this energy space, how do we make sure that small, disadvantaged black cities, black residents, don't get the cast off and the runoff and the emissions dumped into the spaces where they live? So this is why we have to be intentional um, about all the challenges that these communities. Uh, I grew up in a steel mill community mm -hmm. in a small town in Illinois, a very polluted place, and the steel mill was closing down my entire childhood. So this is something that I take incredibly personally. I know our president does as well, and others. Uh, our secretaries from Michigan and saw what mm -hmm. the auto decline, uh, auto challenges, while she was governor, uh, had in those communities. So we need to be uh, honest with ourselves of the scale of the challenge. I'm not sure all our fellow Americans appreciate mm -hmm. just the challenges you're mentioning, not only in communities around Philadelphia, but communities who have borne the brunt of economic progress for the rest of us, but they're bringing the brunt of it with right. increased asthma, increased cancer rates, increased other challenges along those lines. And being intentional with when we spend federal taxpayer money, uh, let's go above and beyond to make sure that the communities that need that funding the most on the clean energy technologies and the clean energy side get the challenge, get the opportunities that come from that. And to think through the full uh, environmental footprint of those industries, those new clean energy industries, so we don't screw up again. Uh, we're smarter this time and we make sure that we uh, take, uh, take advantage of what we've learned in the past and intentional about going forward. 
But uh, this is where we can't bury our heads in the sand and just pretend that uh, everything's great and everything's going to be great. We've got to be very intentional and purposeful. And to me, it all comes back to the people, mm. right? The more we're able to hire up folks from communities X, Y, and Z who know this and breathe this and live this inside and out, unfortunately, the more they're going to be the decision makers within our department, right. political appointees, civil servants. We've got some phenomenal talent, but we need to make sure that our department looks like the rest of America comes from uh, all walks of life, because then we'll be intentional and purposeful and we'll do what we need to do, just as you're saying. David Turk, Deputy Secretary, Department of Energy. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining, joining us today. Word on democracy. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 